listening to 30 on Broadway, Talking Blue Shirts, on the Face Off Hockey Network. Okay, the things that Nick was just doing on the other side of the glass are unspeakable. I, the other day, two for roughing, his head banging. in. Today, he's like Steven Tyler over there. I, I don't want to. I, oh, God, I don't even know. Okay, hi, everybody. Welcome to an all-new episode of 30 on Broadway, talking blue shirts. As It looks like a lizard. <laughs> as the off-season is uh, here. And it is busy already. Less yeah. than a week removed from from Tampa Bay winning their back to back Stanley Cup, uh, denting the Stanley Cup. Okay, this is all right. I, I want to jump into this right away. We're, we're going to jump right into this. Did you see the picture of Pat Maroon holding the dented Stanley Cup? Yep. <laughs> did you see like? Hey, you know. What? Also, Respect- did you see the people flipping out, especially Respect- on? Respect to that, because you know what? If you're at least going to party, at least do it right. So, you know what? Get on them. You, you got to be like, is it, is it um, Andrew WK? Got to party, got to party hard or whatever the hell that song is. Uh, I, I, but, I look, okay, that cup has seen unthinkable things. Listen. Has, has done unspeakable things. Any old seen old to his horses out of it was in, and right. i find it hilarious how people were like oh this is disgraceful what they did the rangers paraded the cup around around new york city the night they won and visited what like every bar and strip joint that you could possibly imagine mark messi has taken it to two uh to a strip club twice yeah uh, you know it's been dumped in a river it's been lost it's been stolen I will say this. It is incredibly ironic that the Stanley Cup is going to Montreal to be fixed. <laughs> oh, what a, what a, you know well, what? Who was, it, who was it a couple of years ago that trolled Montreal by bringing the cup back? Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember. But it's going uh, back again. I, it's going back again. I can't remember who it was a couple of years ago. Brought someone it. from the Capitals? I can't, dude. I really can't remember. I wish I could too. Because that oh. was so funny. I mean, the 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 the. the I mean, that's wow. They better have that thing under the tightest of security, because some jackass in Montreal is trying to steal the freaking cup. Yeah, but well, it's just we, like people are flipping out about it, and I'm like, wait, like. Where have you guys been? Have you not heard the stories? Have but you I not think, seen I, I the also, stories? I also think too, it's people. Um, hey, I think too because it's Tampa. I think that's the the other added layer. I think everybody hates the Tampa Bay Lightning now. They are. It, the it all goes one. back to your no, your villain article. That's right. So you know what? And I think Tampa has embraced it. And like, come on. You know, let the haters, you know, y'all got to hate, 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 hate. And okay. uh, we're just going to skate, 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 skate. And uh... <laughs> I don't know why the other thing popped in my head. 
Oh, you oh, you see, I was thinking of Chappelle show too. I was, you know, I was thinking of like somebody just being like Montreal, like somebody dressed up in a half jersey, standing up, and be like, I'm the biggest hater. Like, you know. No, I was no, I was thinking of something else. When you say skate, 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 I was thinking the uh skate, skate, skate. Oh, <laughs> All right, all right, little John. But the, um, the cup, I mean, uh, whatever. I mean, it's just funny to see. Oh, but like, hey, at least I, it wasn't Gronk. It wasn't Gronk that damaged it. Gronk is well known for damaging trophies. He used the freaking Lombardi trophy as a baseball bat. I find that to be a little bit ridiculous. But look, it's <laughs> look, the, the amount of stuff that the Stanley Cup has been through, has seen, has done. I, I mean, the, the, the stuff that's been put in it. Where it's been inserted. Didn't somebody change their kid's diaper? Yeah, I mean they were they 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 gave a baby a bath in it. I mean, who knows? Strippers have probably used it as a strip pole. It's probably been you know illegal substances. It's marked as it's marked as explicit on Apple. It doesn't matter. Oh god! But I mean, come on, like just get on, relax, and just remember, Ranger fans, because there were quite a few Ranger fans on Facebook that were flipping out about this. Re- go back in history and remember and research what the Rangers had happened with the cup. I think weren't the Rangers the one that lost it? No. Didn't the Rangers lose I it in the bar? I don't think. So. No, I don't think. Or so. was that when Messier was in Edmonton? Because I feel like Messier lost the cup, which is kind of hard considering the the fact that the guys won it six times. Yeah, it's like well, yeah, he's just so so used to it. Well, it also must have been hard to see him with all the tears in his eyes and everything. Oh God! Oh what? God! What? Oh Bruh, God! The guy Listen. gets his the guy gets his meal at a restaurant, and starts crying and thanking the waiter for being such a great waiter. <laughs> I mean, really? Oh, no. Like, I mean, let's be real. I love Mark Messier, but the guy the guy cries more than Ric Flair at a retirement ceremony. Okay. I mean. <laughs> Look, the Stanley Cup was stolen, I think, in 1970, I believe. I mean, it's been. I, I yeah, mean, the no, stories. Like, look, I, the I stories think, are are endless. That, that's I mean, over. I think it was overblown. I think it's just because Tampa, it was Tampa Bay. Everybody now want, loves to hate Tampa. So, 1962, know, a Montreal Canadian fan stole the cup. What a was jerk. was fi- was stopped. He said, I want to take it where it, back where it belongs, to we oh. the north. Oh, okay. Nope. All right. All right. That's enough. Uh, in 1970, the collar to the original Stanley Cup was stolen and was missing for seven years. Oh, Jesus. Uh, let's see. What else? 1977, the cup was stolen again. <laughs> 1979. Guy Lafleur inadvertently stole the cup. Oh, you notice know, how none of these things have, have happened since Phil Pritchard has been the keeper of the cup. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. I was gonna say I'm gonna get to a point here where, yeah, and, and it basically cites how the keeper of the cup now accompanies it at wherever it goes, so that this doesn't happen. Philip Pritchard, probably, arguably, one of the greatest jobs of of all sports. Oh no, that is. I even in sports. That's one of the greatest jobs in the world. I would love you get to be with the cup every day. Yeah. Like, so beautiful. It never talks back. Oh, God. All right. All right. 
this is not right. Dr. Phil. Let's let's jump. <laughs> oh, All right, uh, let's jump into the the big highlight of today is the expansion draft is coming. The NHL entry draft is coming. Um, we're going to talk on those, but first and foremost, we're going to jump into our big segment, which has to do with massive, massive contract failures. And we have sat and gone over. It was put up on Twitter for some people to give us their, their contract thoughts. And we got a couple of good ones. We got a couple of obviouses, but we got a couple of good ones. And then we started sitting and thinking, and we started thinking of, not just contracts, but trades, because the Rangers have had their fair share of, of doozies. But um, before we do that, before we jump into the primary segment of our show, I'd like to introduce you to a little monkey knife fight. That was good. You liked that, didn't you? Uh, you you liked that. that. Looking, a, you Nick you is like impressed. that. Look, is look at, that that's look. well done. Tell, tell these people who are listening to look at that. This is an audio show, not a visual show, you putts. I was talking to you. (laughs) All right. Monkey Knife Fight, proud partner of the FHN now. We are proud to partner with Monkey Knife Fight. It's a daily fantasy sports gaming website for the casual sports fan that is simple, fun, and easy to play. Users determine which superstars competing in the day's professional sporting events will record more or less than the contest line provided. Monkey Knife fights daily fantasy prop games, play similar to the salary cap-based daily fantasy sports games, but without the algorithms, lineups, and most importantly, the Sharks. There are several contests to choose from, none of which require hours of research required on competing sites. You can get started now with a 100% instant match bonus up to $50 by visiting the FHN.net slash MKF and use promo code VFHN. So you get a 100% instant match bonus of your deposit up to $50 by visiting the FHN.net slash MKF and use promo code VFHN. So now we get into our primary segment, which is massive contract, free agent, all-around signing failures that the Rangers have been in. Of recent... The top tier, you have to put Wade Redden up in the top tier. It's an easy one. It's a gimme. Nick is, I could see the red spewing out of Nick's face already because he is so mad because the Wade Redden contract was arguably one of the worst of all time for the New York Rangers. It was pretty atrocious. Uh, Wade Redden was signed. This was another one. Uh, good, good old Papa Slats. This was one of those contracts that, and there were quite a few, especially during the Glen. The <laughs> I almost said, "What the hell?" <laughs> I almost said, "Like Wayne Gletzky." <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! This contract is so bad. Oh, oh my man. God. It's so bad that you're making it. It's so bad. I can't even, I can't even discuss it. Uh, And the funny thing is, is that he's like listed for one of the worst contracts on the Ottawa Senator side too, which is like, Oh, all right. Wade Redden's contract was bought out. I think he had what two years remaining 
on his contract, but he had been buried in Hartford at the time, which I'll give him credit. They did say in Hartford he was he was he was great with the kids, which was fantastic to get paid all that money that he got paid. Because it was a it was a, it was a nice coin from the Rangers. It I'm was, to find it the, was uh, a lot of nice coin from the Rangers. Six point five million, six million five hundred thousand from it was a six year contract. The only good thing about the contract was that there was a no move or no trade. There was not any of that, but it was it was it was immovable anyway. No one was taking it. Um. $39 billion contract over six years for Wade Redden. And it did not live up to its, its end of the deal from what day one. Yeah. I would say just an awful one, just absolutely awful. And the reason why we're talking about these is because today, if you were future, living, future New York Islander, if you were living Zach under Parisi rock, was bought out Minnesota. Zach Parise and Ryan Suter were both bought out in arguably two of the worst NHL contracts in post-lockout era that were signed. And the Rangers have a few of their own. I mean, this not is even, not, not even post-lockout. Let, listen, let's all be time. 100% I can say all time. Yeah, you can say all time. They, they are two of the worst contracts ever. Ever of all time, like I mean, and Ilya Kovalchuk's with the original deal with the Devils would have been in the same ilk had the NHL not have stepped in. And actually, right. the Devils should be thankful that the NHL did step in because God, how would they like to be on the hook for that deal? And that was a uh, GM of the year this year, Lou Amarillo. And I can't wait to see Lou Amarillo sign Zach Parisi because that's going to be absolutely hysterical. That's going to be his move to uh. To play with Matt Bar- Barzell, well, the only help. the only caveat on that is they'll probably get him on a dirt cheap. So I mean, that's yeah. But the thing is, he's gonna get him and be like, "Look, I got, I got Look what I got help. for Barzell. Like, we don't need to do anything else, Maddie. I got your help. Like, that's what's gonna. That's the part that's gonna be right. hilarious to me. All right, number two on the list for the New York Rangers, and of course the Ryan Suter. I mean, again, Ryan Suter just it, it's way past. I mean. These contracts were bad from day one. I mean, they were terrible. The dead cap hits. Whew. Next year, not a big deal. Four four point seven million. And, but let us not forget though how those two held up the free agent market. They did, and and got gigantic, humongous contracts out of it. They were humongous big. Humongous, and, and, and they were not like hot blondie girl. They were not like a blonde girl. No, those were terrible contracts. Ilya approved, and I, dude, I, I I so badly want to get Ilya this on the podcast. Um, I just, I just, I would love to have a conversation with that man. (laughs) All right, we, well, we just sit and talk Huskies. All right, we can we can talk about that on two for often. How dare you? Okay, four point seven million for next season. No big deal. You can deal with it. Twelve point seven for the year after. 14.7 14.7 for the next two years after that. I mean, these contracts go down. They go down as is it is it a Rick DiPietro, Alexi Yashin level of terrible? Dude, they're on the books for the next eight years. 
because they had four years left. So those two contracts are on the books for eight years. Long left. time. For a first time, long time. Um, the, oh, wow. I don't I mean, know. It's it's got, they got to be up. I mean, it's not as – I wouldn't say as bad as – well, I mean, the Rick DiPietro contract is the Bobby Bonilla of the NHL. Bonilla. Bonilla, Bonilla whatever. Vanilla Manila. I don't care. Oh Do you really care? Yes, because you know what? That contract still haunts me. Yeah, but Rick DiPietro still get paid out. Yeah, but that one doesn't bother me because that it, doesn't well, affect it's me. an Islanders. Yeah, it's and, like, and <laughs> we all get the <laughs> this is the part where we throw our heads back and laugh. Ready? <laughs> <laughs> like, so <laughs> that, that, that one doesn't bother me so much. Bobby Vanilla Day bothers me. The I, I gotta say they're pretty. These are pretty bad. These are oh, up there with they're, with DiPietro, with Yashin, with I don't think I don't remember. I don't think Alexander Digg had a long. I don't think he had a long contract. He had a bad one, but it wasn't like. Well, the the, the problem with Digg was that he was the first overall pick. Yeah, and he just it never panned out. But I'm trying to think of other like NHL contracts that are of recent. You know, going back to like late nineties, no, early two no, thousands, no, that are nothing disasters. Touch, nothing, nothing touches the DPHO contract. Nothing touches the DPHO contract, and these two are right up are, are close to there. The, I mean, these they were two are, they, people. People were saying, "What the hell is Minnesota doing when this con- well, these contracts?" Were Minnesota was trying to be like, "Hey, we're we're going to compete for a cup." It's like, dude, you guys just tied up your cap with two guys, and you never got any better. You didn't. I mean, did you do anything better? And that's the thing; they stayed mediocre. Yeah, you know, and that and that like, but you want to talk about the Kings of mediocre when the Rangers were doling out big money. They were doling Bobby Holik, Bobby Holik, you know, five year, forty five million dollar contract to be a center uh, that he was never geared to be. He's gonna be a top line center. No, he's not. You're doing great, honey. <sighs> I, I mean, it just never, and that wasn't his fault. It wasn't his fault. None of these contracts are the players' fault. I don't like, you know, when we, when we like, when people hear shit on contracts, I'm sure they assume that we just like hate the player. No, I don't, I don't begrudge any player for going out and getting money and getting as much of it as they possibly can because you know what? Their window as top flight athletes to make money is so small that you have to make it count when it's there. So I, I don't begrudge any player. If a GM like Glenn Sather is dumb enough to give you $9 million a year. You take it who the, and you who, run. Who the hell are you to say no? Yeah. I mean, who, who is going to say no? N- no one. No one is yeah. going to say no. And, and again, you're right. You can't hate the, you can't hate the player for, for the contract. You, you can hate the GM. Because at the end of the day, it's the GM that screws up. Now, another bad one. This is one that you didn't think about, but, well, actually, I'll leave this one for a little bit later down the list because it's not, it's not atrocious. This is, this is one that kind of hurts because he had some big moments as a Ranger, but it's still, it, it, was a, it was a bad contract regardless. Brad Richards. It, it, was, it, was not a, it was not a good deal. And it, the minute he signed it, I knew he was never seen again. And the thing is, he only played three years on that contract. Right, he didn't. He didn't last long, and then he goes to Detroit and and well, he went to Chicago and then Detroit and then wins the Stanley Cup. He went to Chicago the year he's bought out with the Rangers and then finished up with Detroit in fifteen sixty. 
Um, yeah, it was one of those things where, you know, he had the best season of his career with the Dallas Stars, and he was the big fish. And like Glenn Sather likes to do, or likes to do, I'm going to go all in. And through tons of money, a nine-year, $60 million deal, and he played a whopping three seasons of it. And albeit he had three good seasons, well, yeah, two good ones, and the lockout shortened one was not. Was the not lockout shortened one kind of killed him, and that was, you know, kind of the end of the road there. So that was one of. Well, the, he that's, bounced that's back a, in thir- he bounced back in thirteen fourteen. He was productive in thirteen fourteen, but and then of course could, there was the torch stuff and the playoffs and, and all you, of that. You could see the writing was on the wall that Brad Richards was was pretty much he right. was close. He was closer to the end than the beginning. But the fact that he signed a nine-year deal and played a third of it, right? I mean, and, it's, when, it's and when you crazy. think, and when you think about it, technically, if he would have stayed a Ranger, he only would have played five out of nine years and then retired. The Rangers actually are lucky that they bought him out because that cap recapture would have been massive, brutal. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. It would have been, it would have been disastrous. Um, all right, another one that here's mine and people are going to hate it. And I don't care. Derek Stepan, that contract sucked. I don't care what you like. You can make the art. Oh, he was a good ranger. He was a good ranger. He was a very good ranger. I'm not disputing that his contract garbage. Garbage. It was was another one of those. Look, Derek Stepan had some classic moments for the Rangers, especially in the playoffs. But it was another one of here is a center that we got that did it that we tried to stick into a role that it didn't fill what what was needed. Like that was and the it, plague of the it Rangers. Was, it was, it was just a the free, cup team. They never he, had that top center. He, and here's the whole thing: it was that it was not a free agent deal. That was a you know, it was no, well, it was a homegrown it was deal. A, it was a it was his resigning. Yeah, it was his resigning but, as an RFA. That contract, since we're talking about contract, that contract was unspeakably bad. And here's why. And this is for everybody. And this is what I've always said for everybody that's killed me for, oh, you just hate Derek Stepan. The guy was making $6.5 million, and follow me on this, he never registered one. One 60-point season. Six years, $39 million, 6.5. Same as Wade Redden. But not a single. You got you got big moments, and I know people will say, well, Washington. Everybody points back to, I mean, again, tremendous. But it was another one of those things where he, it's just the contract, it, it wasn't. Nothing against the player. Again, it just goes back to all of these go back to how terrible Glenn Sather was as a general manager. And the Rangers have had a history. I'll give you another really bad terrible contract management. I'll give you another really bad free agent Glenn Sather contract. And again, this one will get me killed because he was a fan favorite. Marion Gabrick, seven and a half million dollars a year. Five years, seven and a half million dollars a year. Yep. That contract was awful. And yep. I understand he was a two time 40 goal scorer, no doubt. But he 
The problem was, and it goes back to this is what I've said consistently about the Rangers and what Chris just mentioned. They didn't have that top-line center to feed him the puck. He went to L.A., played with Andre Kopitar, top-line elite center, and look what he did. And he wasn't, and he wasn't needed to be the all all around offensive production guy, which he was. That was like the thing with the Rangers; they didn't, they never had the top line center, and they never had more than really one player that was kind of a game breaker. They always, you know, whether it was Rick Nash, whether it was Marion Gabrick, or whatnot, they always had, you know, it was always like, oh, we got the guy. This is what we're going to go with. Like they got away from the the system and the setup of the the nineties the cup team that had multiple players, multiple figures that could put the puck in the net that could hey, play stop, every. Stop living it. Stop living I know, but I, what, what I'm saying, play every every type of role, you know, well rounded and yeah, they have an to, actual have an actual team, have an actual identity and a chemistry instead of we've got a lot of players that will play hard and will 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 try hard. But we don't have that game breaker at the end of the day, except for our one guy. And if our one guy is down or is is running a cold spell or is or is neutralized, the offense dries out. And that's been that had been historically the thing that plagued the Rangers for a long time. And it and it kind of in a way still does, albeit we're in a different era now because we're we're you know obviously with the rebuild and the additions of players and the offensive talent. This team hasn't had offensive talent like what it has, regardless that it's raw, but it hasn't had this type of offensive talent on this roster in a very long time. But the the uh, another one, which is going to strike potentially ire, and again, it wasn't, again, not the player, but again, it was Glenn Sather again. This was the free agent splash of Scott Gomez and Chris Drury. And you could argue the Scott Gomez one because it got you Ryan McDonough. So you could cancel that one out in essence. But Chris Drury, seven, seven million, just over seven million, five-year contract. Great captain, great leader, but never lived up to his post-Buffalo days. Just never did. Off injured, played through everything, all the credit in the world. I mean, he was Ryan Callahan before Ryan Callahan. In many ways, even more. And now he's our GM. Hopefully, he's going to learn a thing from the guy before, not Jeff Gordon, but the guy before. Before, again, I mean, seven million bucks over a five-year deal. It wasn't a good contract. No, it wasn't. It and he was really bought was. out. His was bought out. I think was he the other? He was not the compliance buyout. It was Wade Redden. Uh, it was Redden and Brad Richards. Redding and Brad Richards were the compliance piles. So you had that one. A couple of smaller ones. Darius Kasparitis. Ranger Killer. Didn't yeah. bring it over. He, Ra- Ra- Ranger Killer both ways. Both on ways. On the team and off the team. Ended up becoming a Hartford rider at the end. I mean, yeah, I mean, you could add that in with, I mean, Donald Brashear wasn't big money. But it that was another that, one. That was that was just, yeah, just <sighs> oh boy, oh boy, uh, yeah. Um, again, the Scott Gomez one was a seven-year, fifty-one million, seven point seven and a half million a season. And they could have re-signed Michael Healing. 
they could have re- they could have resided Michael Nylander. You know, they they did get Ryan McDonough out of it, but really at the end of the day, it didn't work. Yeah. It, it didn't work and out anyway. You you want to know you don't want to know where that trade tree has landed? Actually, that trade tree has ended up with you're doing great, honey. That is the pot at the end of the rainbow. So I so will Scott go back Go-, and say, Scott go has, has led the Brett Hout and Lieber Hayek. And two so Stanley Cups for the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's where we are. So Tampa Bay fans, I'm sure you guys love the Scott Gomez signing because look where it landed you. And yeah. yeah. All right. Now going back. Now moving away from free agency, I don't think I had really any more that were like egregiously terrible. And there were a couple of people that sent me stuff saying, well, Mark Stahl and Dan Girardi. I mean, we, we got to, we got to talk about those ones. Those were, and, and again, it's painful because Mark Stahl was one of the best defenders. I mean, he was a tremendous defender up until the concussions and, and the eye injury. Um, and he just, he never was the same. And he actually a little bit towards the end there started to kind of fall into a, a depth role. I don't think he was certainly the worst defenseman that the Rangers had the last two seasons of his career. He went through a period where it was yes, old it boy. Was. It was yes, old boy. No, but he was, he was Mark, but Mark again, Ball. I'm not trying to kick a dog when they're down. No, I know. But it, but again, you know, that's why I did not want to talk about scholar Girardi. They I gave think. him, you know, he came off of his entry level contract. They gave him the five-year deal. No problem. Then at 14-15, the no-move clause kicked in. And then they re-signed him for 5.7 over six years when it was the writing was pretty much on the wall, the wall there. Um, Dan Girardi was kind of the same thing. Another one that was, you know, signed his entry level was undrafted, signed his entry level deal, got a nice little bump. And then he got a four year, $13 million deal. And then boom, six year, 33 million with basically no move, no trade. Lockdown ended up being bought out. It's just you know those, and it's hard because you want to have loyalty to players that are tough for you, and you know all that. But it's just like when will GMs learn that man, you can't pay these guys on the wrong side of thirty? Yeah, and that the like it's like Major League Baseball. How many times do you see Major League Baseball these 10, 11 year contracts? Like, have any of them worked out? Albert Pujols is arguably the greatest hitter of my lifetime. And that contract he signed with the Angels just atrocious. You know, it's like when I, I just wonder when will GMs catch up to everybody else? And be What's like, his yeah, name with the Phillies? Yeah, Bryce Harper. That deal's going to be Harper. atrocious at the end. That deal's going to be atrocious <laughs> at the end. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's 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 enough of them. There's a lot of and I, and I mean, you look at it, you know, when you're when you're in management, I understand the line of thinking from some of these GMs of if I think I am a contender, I'll take I'll take the the bad five six years from now for winning you know winning a championship right now, but like the, these Ranger contracts, man, we didn't even get we, we got some good runs, we got some really deep runs, we got close. But we never got a championship out of it. That's like it just and it and it 
And I mean, and, and you could argue, and I, I won't put him there, but Henrik Lundqvist's contract, and I will never put Hank's contract there because Hank was worth every penny. In fact, he was underpaid, in my opinion. So I think no, it's I just agree. one of the, I agree with that. But it's like I, I know some people will say it, so I, I'll be. And I think that was a. Punch. I think it was a major misstep them buying him out. I mean, granted, in hindsight, it didn't end up really mattering because of his his health condition. But I think in in high, I, I think them not buying him out. You had we we've talked about this before. Even moving Mark Stahl, you talk about the lack of leadership that was in that room and all the nonsense that happened this season. Yeah, probably doesn't happen. Um, going back a little further, pre. Uh, Glenn Sather, Neil Smith, uh, Theo Fleury, the four-year, $28 million contract. Not mega, mega money, but a guy that was really leery to leave Calgary to go to Broadway and talked about his struggles both on and off the ice. Uh, with addiction and all the all the everything that was going on that he had, um, that trade, as energetic and as fantastic a player as Theo Fleury was, was a pretty dark one for the Rangers. And in, this one, in the this, dark ages, this one's going to get a lot of flack from people. But Mark Messier Part Two on Broadway, yes. Should have never that, got to that point. That is one of the worst free agent deals in Rangers history. And the and the problem with that is, is it should have never happened in the first place. Well, not only that, but just Messier was absolutely done by the time he got back. I mean, it, exactly. it was it it was so clear that he was he was absolutely done by the time he got back. And, and again, and, that was in that era of where the team was just awful. I mean, there was nothing. You you brought Mark Messier back for the feel-good, bury-the-hatchet story, but this team had been a, a disaster. And, yeah. I mean, granted, his first year, his first year he put up 67 points. But, but he, it, he was he was he wasn't he wasn't the Mark Messier that was Mark Messier. Yeah, can we talk wasn't. about the worst? Can we now, now for just contracts? Can we just talk about talk the worst about, ever in Rangers history? Arguably, no, not arguably. The worst, and there's there's a lot to this. Well, there's a couple of things. It's because this is why it's the worst moment in Rangers history. It's a the domino. It's the domino effect that it had. One of the, uh, yeah, one of the worst, well, there's two, I, I think you could argue there's two, the top two worst people in Rangers organization of all time. One is John Ferguson, squarely. No, Lar- number largely. One. No, number one. Largely. No, well, no. hold on. Largely uh, because of. The Jersey nonsense that he carried over from. But the 1977 NHL entry draft were not once, but twice the New York Rangers passed on Mike Bossy. Yeah, you're welcome that I enlightened you to that today. 
Are you are you thankful for no, not, that? Because you reminded me of that, and I didn't remember. I I knew they passed on, but I didn't remember the two players that they passed on them for. One is your favorite center of all time for the New York Rangers. No, and I the other is is a player I do not, who I do not like John Bon Jovi's grandfather. <laughs> Another one is a player that had two stops on Broadway. Had a, I mean, look. Listen, I don't care how games. good I don't care how good his career was. He wasn't Mike Fossey. But neither one combined. Neither your guy, Ron Duguay, or wait, wait, wait a second. <laughs> wait, he ain't my guy. He or, ain't my guy. Or your your other guy, Lucian. The boy. Again, Lucian Devlois, not Devilois. my guy. Lucian Devlois. Neither one of them combined can hold a skate to Mike Bossy. And you just wonder, had the Rangers drafted Mike Bossy, and even if they drafted Ron Duguay, because Ron Duguay, look, like you said, Ron Duguay was a point producer. Could you as imagine if as, they had as much both, as it pained me to admit that? Both of them on the team. Could you imagine? Now, granted, like you said, Bossy had Clark Gillies. I'm sure the Rangers would have figured something out in that regards and had to have well, some money. Well, not, 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 even, not even that, but, you know, but Brian Trottier, Clark Gillies. But you uh, you take Mike Bossy and you flip him to the other side of New York and what could have been? The, the great what if. So John Ferguson has that. Then, again, with John Ferguson, okay, one of your favorite uh, well part of that move then <laughs> part of that and I don't know you're if this enjoy, was like you're a, enjoying this way too. I, I don't know if this was a hey let's salvage because we didn't draft bossy let's try to go get the next guy who was runner up to bossy and his Calder the Calder Memorial year the Calder Trophy year but they went and got shoot the puck Barry. It was another great uh, Fergie move. I mean, and then before this, predating, because I don't think was John Ferguson. How long was John Ferguson general manager of the New York Rangers? Uh, I don't know that exactly. I was not alive. Ferguson was general manager of the New York Rangers from nineteen seventy six. Until 1978, he had taken over for Emil Francis. Yeah, who you know what? Who got you nine playoff appearances? Yeah, and, and he a also Cup final appearances. And he also made the worst trade, the worst trade in Rangers history. And yes, he made the worst trade. And so we've crossed out of the free agent signing periods to talk about this because in, in Rangers history, this trade set the wheels in motion. The to cat really derailed completely unre- derail the franchise, and it wasn't until really Fred Shiro and Craig Patrick that kind of got things back on track, and then. This guy came back and screwed it up even some more. You're number one in Nick's heart. Oh, on the wrong side one. of his heart. Not, not on the one. hatred side of his heart. He he has a seat right next to Joe Namath. Phil Esposito. 
It's not a free agent signing. It's not a contract. But still, we had to talk about it because it it's is one the, of worst, the worst. No, no, not one of, not one of, not one of. It is the worst move in Rangers history because a okay, they only made it to one Cup final with Espo after trading Jean Rattel and Brad Park. Then they missed the playoffs like three or four years with Espo as a player. Then three years, yeah, they missed his first two in his last year as a player. Then Espo, because old Barrel ass had to sit there. <laughs> I can't, I can't sit, I can't play without Ken Hodge. I need Ken Hodge on my wing. So Arguably what do the, the Rangers worst do? Trade in New York Rangers history. What do the Rangers turn around and do? Okay, Phil. We'll go get you, Ken Hodge. We're going to trade Rick Middleton. And Rick Middleton wound up having a stellar career with the Boston Bruins. He did. He did. And you know what Ken Hodge did? Not a damn thing. Literally. And And then, and then, okay, Barrel Ass leaves the team as a player. But then... He didn't screw the team up enough by, you know, having the trade for, for Ken Hodge. Okay? Because, yeah, I, I can't play without Ken Hodge on my wing, so I need Ken Hodge. Right? Then, he come, barely as comes back as general manager and screws and, the team up even and more. Made some terrible trades. He had a couple of good ones, but he made some terrible, terrible trades. Bill Esposito is single-handedly one of the worst Rangers in Ranger history. And ironically, had great, re- really good productive years points-wise. Ironically. Like, stats-wise, you would look at it and say, wow, I, Phil Espo was a good, had good stats. But then you look at the collateral damage that happened from Espo and Ferguson, and you could say that those two combined set back the franchise quite a bit. I hate Phil Esposito. I wish nothing but terrible things on okay. Phil Esposito. No, no, no. No, no, no. Not like, not like health-wise or anything. I don't want the guy to die. Like, I'm not saying that. I just like, I hope like when he gets out of bed at night to go take a piss at 2 o'clock in the morning because he's 800 that like, he stubs his toe on his, on his, on his nightstand like on the way there and then like when he opens the door to the bathroom he stubs his toe against the door like, or. You know, and you know what he does when that happens? Or like his grandkids, goes, his grandkids, his wow. grandkids come over. Wow, yeah, his grandkids come over and they leave Legos laying all over the floor. Oh my god, oh, that's and he brutal. Ste- and that he is, steps on, sir. And he steps on, and he steps on Legos barefoot, sir. Like, I just, I just wish, sir, like, those kinds of things on Phil Esposito. That's how right. I feel about that spot. Okay? okay, and like I hope that like when he's outside enjoying a nice day, in Tampa oh my Bay, god, really, we're going eat, with this, eat, eating an ice cream. I hope a bird takes a shit on his head. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's how I feel. I hate Phil Esposito. And any Ranger fan who likes Phil Esposito, oh, you're just a putz. Okay. Now, now that we've done that, there's a couple of current contracts that are on the radar. I feel like that needed to be said. There are a couple of contracts that are currently on the radar. Yeah, number one, Chris Quito. 
Casper. He is bad. Casper the friendly ghost. No, unfriendly. He is unfriendly. Oh, unfriendly. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, Looking at his contract, $6.5 million, paying out for quite a few more years. Yeah, and it might lead to the Rangers losing probably much damage. And, yep, you got that. And another one that I'm not ready to say this yet, but I'm really curious. This season is a is a big one. And I will, I could argue that the Rangers, when he went down injured, a lot of people gave him crap all year. Jacob Truba. He's got a tough contract at $8 million for the next what, f- five seasons. Nah, I'll, I'll, I'll say it like this. the jury con- is out. His contract, it, it's a bad contract. The jury, the it, jury it, is it, out. I think it's not. Let me finish. Let me finish. I know it's it, not it, his fault, but it, it, it's not his fault. But it, it, it's a bad, it's a bad. Contract. Defensively, when he went down, and then again when Lindgren went down, this team was cooked. Yeah. Now, granted, they don't have anybody. They didn't really have anybody else after that. But it's a tough contract to navigate around. Him and Kreider combined. That's a lot of money tied up between the two. Then you add in Panarin, who will probably will will never be on this list of bad contracts. But you're you're tying up a lot of money when you've got a lot of pieces that are coming into the fold that you got to answer that you got to make room for or figure out or maneuver. You know the talks now of of guys like Blake Coleman, uh, you know Barkley Goudreau, those kind of guys that you want to add a little bit more uh, toughness to the bottom six. You got to get really creative here. Um, add some interest to things. Now, we've got the expansion draft coming. The Rangers protected list expected well will be official by Sunday. I believe is it Sunday the eighteenth. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to go over the rules and everything. So, if you want to, yeah. if you if you need to remember the rules, go thefhn.net. Seattle, we did an expansion draft under from the point. We did one. Or you can listen to the Two for Roughing episode. I'm not going to go through all the rules and everything. Capfriendly.com right now projects the protected players for the Rangers to be Panarin, Kreider, and Zibanejad up front because they have to because they're the no-movement clauses. Ryan Strom after, Pavel Buchnevich, and Philip Hedl. That leaves Brett Howden, Julian Gauthier, Ty Ronning, Kevin Rooney, Anthony Greco, Tim Gettinger, Colin Blackwell, Johnny Brodzinski, Gabriel Fontaine and Phil DiGiuseppe unprotected. Seattle? I, I would Brett Howden Seattle, is the best center you could possibly... I mean, he tries so hard. He tries so hard. You know, the guy checks air. Like I no mean, other? Like no other? Like literally no other. We could make a job. We could make a Frank Sinatra song about Brett Howden. We should do that. I, I mean... Like, <laughs> he just... And I mean, look, the guy's a certified man rocket. If that, if that's <laughs> oh my god! I, I mean, <laughs> all right. On defense, I mean, look, Brett Howden. This is the best thing I can say about Brett Howden. Remember back in the day on Hockey Craze, where we used to we used to bash on Taylor Pyatt. Oh, we were God. like, dude, oh, blue his, eyes. Eyes. His, his eyes are so his beautiful. Eyes. Taylor, They're Pyatt. So beautiful. Taylor Pyatt is a good. Like Taylor Pyatt was so bad, but he was better than Brett Howden. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. <laughs> yes, he Pyatt. was. Taylor, Taylor Pyatt was terrible. Pyatt. He's still better than Taylor Brett Howden. Taylor Pyatt couldn't skate. He couldn't do it. <laughs> he couldn't <laughs> skate. 
and yet he was still better than Brett Howden. But I'll say this about Brett Howden. The guy may suck, but at least he can skate. <laughs> I'll give him that. You at least <laughs> got 12 points in in Taylor Pyatt's two seasons as a Raider. Two non-memorable yeah. seasons at all. Yeah. Other than remembering, hey, here's this big guy who's just over six feet, 230 pounds. I'm going to go a little Pierre here. Good old boy from Thunder Bay, Ontario. Oh, Jesus. You had, you had to go there, right? <laughs> hey, man. No more Taylor yeah. Pyatt. Or, leave, I mean, leave, no more Pierre Maguire. Leave, leave the, 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 the press... Leave the uh, the, the president. SBN. Leave the president. Thank you, of, TNT. The, the president of uh, Larry Brooks is so for devastated the, for the Ottawa Senators alone. At, the, at Pierre Maguire's, the hatred of Pierre Maguire. Yeah, well, that's only because Larry Brooks knows what it's like to be public enemy number one. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, he knows what it's like to get beat up at the bus stop. Oh, yeah. All right, I take it back about Brett Howden and Taylor Pyatt because Brett Howden's actually put up 49 points in his three yeah. years with the Rangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah so Taylor Pyatt Brett, really didn't do Brett, damn shit. Brett, Brett Howden might Taylor be bad, Pyatt but, was good with the Coyotes. But, I, but, but I, like, yeah. I'll say this. The best thing I can say about, about Brett Howden is, like, all right, like, if, if the whole hockey thing doesn't work out, it's really not, bro. Um <laughs> No, look. All right, look. We dog on Brett Howden a lot. I mean, we really do. As we he still made it to the NHL. He did, and we didn't. We're he is here. still. He is a professional hockey player. Okay, if that's what you want to call it. I, but... He's an AHLer. He's an AHLer. He's a mid-level AHLer. I like to have fun at Brett Howden's, which is still a tremendous. But he has done. So he's look. He's made a living playing professional hockey, which is something I always wished I could do. And I couldn't do so. Kudos to him for that. So I will tell but, you what. He you probably know, could skate circles around us. Oh, not probably. He could. Like, I mean, he could 100%. Like, there, I, I will never forget. And, I, and I've told this story before. And I know he wasn't a Ranger, but I will tell the story again because he was just, he was, he was not known for anything other than really being an enforcer and just a, I mean, just beating the living snot out of people. Peter Orrell. Growing up in Connecticut, when I played hockey down at Yale, and we used to practice at Ingalls Rink, we would have players when the New Haven Beasts were in the AHL, which was the Hartford Wolfpack rival. They would have players come over from their skates and do skates with the kids, like clinic sessions and whatever. And I remember as, like, I think I was 9 or 10, maybe maybe 11 or maybe whatever. I was still pre-teenager. Peter Orrell comes over. And does a skate with us. Now, Peter Orrell is a big dude. I mean, the dude is massive. I mean, he was—he was—he was scary. Not on ice. He was six foot seven, two hundred and fifty pounds. And he comes out on the ice and he's skating with kids, and we're all like, like I said, we're 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 under, we're like 10, 11 years old at the most. And Peter Orrell was never known for anything really other than being an enforcer. And he was show like he was doing skating drills with the kids and stuff. And within like two strides, he's from red line to blue line. From like goal line to the blue line. I mean, 
Every kid on the ice is racing. And he's smoking up and down the ice. I mean, all and you're just like watching. You're like, you would have thought that he was like Pavel Bure out there. And yeah, it gives you an appreciation for how how when you actually get to the NHL, how ridiculously David, good these guys have to be. And, and like, just, just to be able to get there, like I, my my dad used to say to me, he's like, the worst player in the NHL would kill anybody who, you know. Who went against them? But like, by a long shot, you know it's like it's. But it's an empty sport, though. It's like the worst player in the NBA would smoke you on the court and one on one. So the worst, the worst major league pitcher in baseball would strike you out at least ten times. You so know, we could, the we could, yeah, him. we could, we could poke fun. We could say he's a terrible NHLer. He's a terrible player. He's still there. He still got there. Now, do you get some luck along the way and, and whatnot? And how many players and how many kids get passed over because of opportunity or whatever? Whatever. I get all that. I understand that. He still got there. He still got there. So you got to give respect to that. Seattle, you'll love him. <laughs> um, defensive side, Truba has to be protected. They have Ryan Lindgren and Libor Hayek as protected. I don't think they're protecting Libor Hayek, to be honest. I really they, don't. They, they should not protect Libor Hayek. I'd rather them protect Anthony Boteto, to be honest, which I know they're not going to do that either, but like, if you had a choice between the two, or Christ, I would rather them protect Brendan Smith, even though he's a freaking UFA. But I understand they've got to hit certain numbers on their protections and all that stuff and whatever. I get all that. They leave the guy who hasn't been bought out yet, Tony D'Angelo. And I think you're going to see Tony D'Angelo get left. Uh, I think you're going to see him get left unprotected. And then if Seattle doesn't take him, I think they're kind of hoping, you know, maybe Seattle takes him by some chance. And uh, we don't have to. They but take when does the buyout window hit? When well, then you, have, then, then you have the second window. I forget when the second one opens up. But you always have yeah, but there's a caveat with the second window that I don't think they can use. I don't think they can. There's something to it. I don't know exactly what it is, but there's something. I don't have it in front of me, but there's something to it. Like, the Rangers need to buy him out in this first window. Um, I, I don't think it There was an article. Larry Brooks did write an article. Um, it is that, open for – when it opens, I think it stays open for two weeks. Yeah, so the first buyout – so they are waiting. So, like you said, they are waiting until the draft to see what happens. They have until the 27th to buy him out. Um. Which I, I think, think he, I think they have to, and I think they're using him as leverage to hit the the protection lists on the as far as players that are left exposed. That sounds about right. Yeah. So so that's what it was. Larry Brooks wrote about that yesterday too. So um, so that leaves Tony D, Brendan Smith, Jack Johnson, Anthony Potato, Mason Gertson, Brandon Crawley. And Darren Radish as the exposed defenseman. Goaltenders, they're exposing Keith Kincaid. Protecting Alexander Georgie. Oh, whatever. I mean, that's whatever. They exposed Georgie. Yeah, I mean, right. Georgie, was, Georgie was already exposed by his play, so there you go. Yeah. But I'm yeah. Ouch. ouch. But you get all, I mean, the, the, the list that is protected, notably Lafreniere, Kratzoff. Well, they're exempt. They're not protected. They're exempt. They're exempt, yeah. Um, Keandre Miller, Adam Fox, Igor Rykoff, Nils Lundqvist, um, Zach Jones. Again, I think I said Shesterkin already. 
Um, so there's there's quite a few that the Rangers benefit from that are exempt because of their whole rebuild process. We'll see how it goes. We'll see what happens. Cap Friendly has done, I think, an amazing job with this draft simulator on who they think is going to be protected, who they think is going to be uh, unprotected. Could there be they some have, changes? They, they uh, have done good. I, I think maybe maybe the Libra Hayek one might be a change, but who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens with that. So that draft will happen uh, Wednesday. So we will know the list, the true lists by this weekend. And the draft happens Wednesday on the 21st. And we will be talking about the NHL where, entry draft, which is coming where do up. the Rangers go from here? Where the Rangers will hold quite a few picks. Pick number fifteen. Most they have number fifteen. The they don't have a second round. They have two in the third and three in the fourth. And they don't have a second rounder because they used it to get the Norris Trophy winner, Adam Fox. That's what we're gonna end with. We will see you all next time. Woo hoo!